all eyes on Queensland from now on. Adelaide is all over. To tell us about it, we've got our News Corp racing editor, Chris Minuccio. Big V, how are you? Hi, John. I'm going well. I was ready to go on Wednesday night, but I'm assuming you were late home from sale races or made a detour or two along the way. A second host, our punting expert, Phil Georgios. G'day, Phil. How are you? G'day, John. G'day, Big V. Yeah, it's great to hear John's got out to the Provincials. Uh, might have to chat a bit more about that during the show. Yeah, you would have seen a lot more than uh, a lot of people watching .com or Sky on Wednesday with the, uh, with the TV outage. All right, now we'll kick on. So uh, we always start with our should have backed it and should have sacked it. Chris, we'll go to you first. Well, I'm going to go to Morfordville Race 7 for my should have backed it. Snapped in the proud mistakes. I tipped her on top to start before against Foxycon. And, of course, she wins this time beating Foxycon who I, I didn't back, by the way, because I think it's a better horse at the 1,000 instead of the 1,200. But, you know, Snap looked to be a, a juicy price in that race. And my should have sacked it, a bit controversial. I'm going to make it Altivo, and I'm talking out of my pocket here because I should have sacked Altivo from my multi with Pinstripe, who I was very keen on. And I just tried to add a bit of cream to my, to my price. So just a... I'm sure, and I know Phil's probably had this experience many times, it's always the shortest price favourite in the multi that always gets rolled. And I did have something on Pinstripe later on, but it was a very sour win, I'd have to say. Not only do they get rolled, they always run second, Big V, just to rub it in a little bit further. But uh, my should have backed it, should have sacked it. I actually had a list uh, as long as your arm when it comes to should have backed it this week, but I've gone with a little bit of a different one. I've gone with Vongole in race seven, and on the face of it, I think for the one pot shouldn't be. I should have sacked, backed it, but it actually killed my quaddy. And uh, I, was, I was with a few gents, and we pulled together a very juicy looking little quaddy. But unfortunately, I reckon we just had a few too many in that leg, and Vongole didn't make the cut on the second look, and it absolutely killed us because we ended up getting the other three legs and of course ran second in that leg so wasn't happy with Vongolay but a great win down the straight for it uh, as far as my should have sacked it goes a little bit hard on the horse because it ran pretty well I thought in the conditions but lofty strike in the Goodwood once the rain came and we're looking at a heavy track probably wasn't the same bet as when we were talking on the Thursday night and yeah it could have just been a little bit uh, safer with that one I thought but Great win by Royal Merchant, and I'm sure we'll jump straight into that race right now, Corpse. I think that's a good place to start. So uh, that 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 is the fourth of four Group Ones in South Australia for for the for the season. Kieran Ma, Dave Eustace won all all th- three of them by all by the Derby. It's a pretty good carnival for them. Uh, they've won the Sangster with a different three-year-old filly too, so they've been able to find some some fillies to win these against older horses. Chris, what did you make of it? Well, I agree with Phil about uh, Lofty Strike. And also, I, th- I thought Kalos also probably didn't handle the heavy conditions as well. Royal Merchant, looking back over her form, excels in the soft conditions. But I couldn't find her here, though. It was her 12th run of the prep. And I think she needed to make a big jump you know, against the opposition she was facing, like Zapateo, Lofty Strike, and Kalos. And it was a performance I wasn't expecting. But I think probably aided by the the wet track and the running i thought it was really well ridden had a nice position in running and yeah i did nothing really went 
too hard in the conditions at the end there. It was a bit of a up and down like a lot of the horses. Lofty Strike did actually loom like the winner at one point and Zapateo can, can kept up its consistent form as well. But good to see another three-year-old get the cho- chocolates there, Corbs. I'm sure you were on it. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to watch the race, actually. I was otherwise committed. But uh, one thing that did jump out at me, everyone potted the form. I mean, it paid, what, $19 or something like that. I looked at it. It had run in some reasonably good races and run, you know, in the first four. It had been picking up a lot of paychecks along the way. So maybe it's a tad harsh. But I did want to ask you, Phil, what did you think? We, we, we lent into Adelaide last week, so we won't give them the blowtorch a second time, but a lot of people have been potting that race in particular. Is it a group one for yours? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because one, every year you get a different field and if you know you get a couple of, couple of decent horses in it and everyone changes their mind. But I think it probably suffered from a pretty strong calendar of sprint racing uh, over the last sort of few weeks and... Yeah, you know, it really looked like, you know, we talk about horses that have end of prep runs. It kind of looked like an end of prep route one, to be honest. Uh, it wasn't quite the calibre that we would expect for for that kind of race. And, yeah, they might have to look at that about where they position it in the carnival. But it's just a lot of competition and a lot of horses going all across the country, you know, running around in some big prize money races. And, uh, yeah, it didn't quite deliver, I think, in terms of quality this year. Well, Chris, we'll go up to Queensland now. I was assuming when you were going to talk about multis earlier that Zaki was going to get a run in there as well, but it sounds like that was just pinstriped. Uh, it was uh, just one leg that sunk you. Uh, Zaki had its colours lowered uh, in the Doombin Cup over 2,000 metres at Wait for Age. Hueto was the winner. I think that might be... Is that a back-to-back for Hueto? Uh, certainly, uh, certainly, Kovalicha, the Queensland derby favourite, which we'll get into later into that race, came third. So uh, showing that it's a talented horse. Uh, Chris, what did you think of the race and uh, what would you do with Zaki? I mean, obviously it's gone for a spell, but longer term. Yeah, I think probably just give it a break and see what happens in the in the spring, obviously. You know, not getting any younger. So it's always tough for these uh, older horses to just keep staying up. And he did have that delayed start to the, his autumn campaign. And I think maybe two big efforts in the all-age and the Hollandale probably just bottomed him out a bit here. So, yeah, I'll give him a break, bring him back uh, and just see uh, where he goes. Uh, maybe they'll, you know, obviously they'll head towards a, a champion stakes again maybe later on uh, during Cup Week. Uh, Weta was well positioned in the back half of the field with Zaki setting a, a strong tempo. That allowed him to finish better over Numerium, who was closer to the speed. And, uh, yeah, I agree with you about Kovalika. I think he should be winning the Queensland Derby. I think it's only bad luck or whether he he has a flat run that will beat him. All right, gents. There was some races at Flemington as well. Uh, they weren't necessarily carnival races, obviously. Phil, you were actually out at the out at the track. Was there any other highlights other than Vongolay at a big sum and uh, and El Tivo getting nutted? Did you see Pinstriped or any anything else from the day that caught your eye? Yeah, I thought Pinstriped was was just about the run of the day the way it went, ran away from that field again, two weeks in a row that it had done that. And it might even be backing up again this week. Big V might be able to just confirm that for me. So, yeah, you, you can't knock its form. Altivo, I, I, I know Big V mentioned as it should have sacked horse. I, I don't think you're jumping off that horse moving forward. It did gap third and really only got done in a bob by the smallest possible margin. So that was a highlight race because you got a genuine head, head bobber with a $1.50 pop uh, in that one as well. So, yeah, they'll probably the two highlights. And, you know, 
genuine benchmark racing around Flemington. I think the the bigger and better races were elsewhere on the day, but still had a cracking time. Chris, did anything else catch your eye around the nation on the weekend? No, it was pretty much just at um, Flemington as well that I was interested in the you know, pinstripe big win. But I'm going to I'm actually going to, going against pinstripe this weekend. I, I think Gunstock looks a good chance uh, based on the you know the barriers and maybe the distance as well. Uh, I also thought um, going back to Doombin, the Roses. You know, I think the top three in that race all look to have claims for the Queensland Oaks. You know, Renaissance woman. I was with her in the Roses and, you know, just getting beat by Fireburn, who I I would guess that you were you might have been on Corbs. That's one of your favourites, I'd say. Uh, I, I Look, I was surprised to see it was still running. I mean, those Golden Slipper winning fillies, uh, especially the ones that don't win their next eight races or whatever, you normally don't see them bobbing up in longer sort of Oaks races. So uh, I was surprised, but obviously it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in the Oaks now. And... The, the trainer did say he'll have a crack at, at either the Golden Eagle or the uh, Cox Plate. You can't do both, unfortunately. But yeah, you make you make a good point because you had that residual fitness over Renaissance Woman. So I'm not going to jump off Renaissance Woman because the Oaks has been the target race. They skipped the the autumn uh, for for this race, but uh, the the race rated only okay. So if, if you're going to, I have to wait for the fields to come out, and yeah, you know, I might be looking at maybe the uh, the Australasian Oaks winner, Affair de Suave. If she goes up there, she might be, if I've pronounced that right, I think if she goes up there, I think she'll be in the mix as well. And now, um, gents, we'll get into the issues of the week. Lots of talk at the moment with all the issues around prize money. We did cover the prize money itself last week. There's a bit of talk around the possibility of having 10 races on a Saturday uh, as a means of generating more income for the industry. Now, the reason behind this, obviously, is that Saturday is prime time. Sydney does already do the 10 races. I will say no one's pointed out that Sydney on a Wednesday only does seven, whereas Melbourne on a Wednesday will do eight. So you've still got the 17 races across the two. Um, so I don't, I don't know why no one's sort of picked up on that. Uh, but, yeah, everyone's looking at Sydney thinking whatever Peter Volandis touches turns to gold. Why aren't we doing that? There is some resistance, which has come in the form of the jockeys. And I suspect there'll be other forces within the industry that aren't mega happy with that as well. So I just wanted to get uh, your thoughts on whether you like the sounds of 10 races or not and what you see as the potentially unintended consequences, good or bad. We'll start with you, uh, Chris. Well, the thing is with New South Wales, they don't have the Thursday or Friday night meetings during the winter that Victoria has. So it's going to be you know, tough on the, the jockeys as well to, to back up and have another meeting. Now, you've got to start earlier. You know, Sydney starts around 11am on the Saturday to cater for those 10 meetings. So it is, it is going to be pushing the trainers and jockeys and also you know when we get the the Caulfield redevelopment finalized you know they'll probably have Wednesday twilight Wednesday night racing as well so it's it is quite a lot uh, compared to what New South Wales have so at the moment I'm I'm not in favor of having the 10 races on the Saturday unless we you know strike more of a balance with the other meetings whether we have less racing on Friday night and finish earlier and that just makes things a little bit easier for, for trainers and jockeys. Yeah, the other thing we learnt, Phil, um, during during COVID lockdowns, when uh, racing was basically the only show in town, is that in the winter months, which is when, when the, most of the lockdowns were on, they moved the cards forward. 
So you tend to have the last races well and truly done and paid out before five o'clock, which means the first race can be quite early. So if you are throwing a, a tenth race on, Sydney's been the last couple of weeks has been starting before 11.30 with their first race. That's very early to have a bet, isn't it? It is. Uh, look, uh, Saturday's when the eyeballs are on racing more than any other time in the week. So I can understand them wanting to extend and, and build that day as a profile from a, um, a racing perspective. And look, I actually get quite frustrated when Sydney's up to about race three and, you know, the Melbourne meeting's only just kicking off. So I'm actually a fan of, of adding that extra race, definitely putting it at the front of the day. I don't, you know, later in the day, you, you're just going to get lost. And often the race cards, I feel, actually go a little bit too long into the winter months. So yeah, I, I would be a fan of, of adding that extra, extra race, putting it up against Sydney or in conjunction with Sydney. As long as it kind of doesn't dilute, I guess, the fields or the quality or the prize money around that time, I think I think it would be a winner. And, and as Big Spee says, you got to, you know, sometimes you got to find where you're going to get strike that balance by working with other race meetings. But overall, I'd be a fan. The other thing I wanted to get your opinion on: uh, there was some uh, press last week, as it happened, uh, when there were quite a lot of racing talking points about the possibility of the tab bidding for the VRC Spring Carnival rights. Now, they're currently owned by Channel 10, who have uh, have got one year left this year. They haven't had the best run, Channel 10. They've had some COVID and some weather uh, antics that have, have made their coverage a bit tricky to manage. I'd love to get your views on what you think that would look like or how you would feel about the TAB having it. And it is worth calling out, um, for a lot of our listeners may not realise this, but the TAB has had the wagering licence in Victoria since about 1994, which means they own the rights to the pubs and clubs and also the tote, which is a bit of an issue for them when everyone else piggybacks off them for their prices. That wagering licence in Victoria is up for review and the Entain brand, which I think owns Ladbrokes, are looking at potentially purchasing that, which would have a shake-up for the industry. But just keeping that in mind, uh, Chris, I might start with you. Your thoughts on the possibility of the TAB bidding for the VRC Spring Carnival and what that would mean for consumers. It's certainly interesting. And if they do get the rights, they would have to on-sell it to a free-to-air network um, for the um, sorry, the just the other siphoning, the anti siphoning. Yeah. yeah, sorry, it's just that just escaped me. So yeah, they would have to on sell to a free to air network because of the anti siphoning laws. But I I'd be I think Racing Victoria would be reluctant. Sorry, um, the VRC would be reluctant to sell the rights to TAB. I think they'll go direct to a free to air network. And I'd be surprised if Channel Ten regains the rights as well. And I think every effort should be made to get the Flemington Carnival back on Channel 7 because that's where free-to-air racing is for every week of the year, apart from, you know, that Flemington week. And that's and people are just developing a habit to go to Channel 7 to watch the races. And, you know, they don't... For the non-racing fan, a lot of them don't know that Cup Week is on Channel 10, so they don't go looking for it. So... I think it shouldn't be about the, the VRC getting top dollar. I think it's about getting it back on Channel 7 and trying to maximise you know, that coverage. I know this is not your hitting zone, Phil, but uh, any thoughts on it? Well, I do have to. I do like to watch the Spring Carnival, so I, don't, I, I do have some thoughts on it, yeah, because, I mean, it's always going to be on free-to-air, right? So I think we can just take that as a given. And it, if racing as an industry wants to really enhance itself and actually, you know, ex- 
be more appealing to a wider audience and it has to find new ways of distributing its content. And if Tab can do that and that's something they're offering, I think they should generally have a look at that. I mean, I don't know what the Tab offer is, but I'm sure that it's a package of different media in, in terms of how they're going to distribute the content. I mean, you know, it's crazy, but, you know, people are watching things like TikTok, Instagram, other uh, other ways of viewing content at the moment. So I think as an industry, they have to think more broadly about how they do get that content out to to audiences. So, yeah, look, I, I think it's a I think it's a good thing. Competition's always a good thing, and to Big V's point, we're always going to see it on free to air uh, because of those anti siphoning laws. So that's that's always a, a, a positive, obviously, for the industry as well. All right, we'll move ahead to the races this week. Now, it's not the biggest weekend of the carnival. Uh, Queensland is where the main action is. There's two group ones there, the Derby, for which Kovalica. How did you pronounce it, Chris? That might have been the correct one. Kovalika. Kovalika. There you go. Chris Wallerhorse in the Kermadec colours. That will be the favourite uh, in the Queensland Derby, uh, which has been moved forward a couple of weeks uh, from where it normally resides in the calendar. The Kingswood Smith, which I think used to be known as, I think the way it used to work is that the Doombin 10,000 was the BTC Cup. And this race was the Doom and 10,000, but now it's just called the Kingswood Smith and run it at Eagle Farm instead. $5 a field there, so I don't know if anyone's got any tips there. The Fred Best three-year-old Group 2 race, which will have two up-and-coming stars, Yellow Brick and Hawaii 5-0. And there is a good race down in Melbourne as well. Um, Phil, I might start with you this time, give you the new ball on this. Uh, anything you like ahead of the weekend? Well, I won't try to pronounce the horse, but of course the favourite in the derby, it's run in, in at Doombin suggests it's a pretty good chance in this race. But we do see in these in these derbies that uh, form doesn't always pan out in, uh, in terms of the result. I saw a horse at Murray a couple of weeks ago that won a... Uh, it was a restricted 64 race, so I wouldn't call it the premium form for a derby. Uh, it's called Fame, $21 currently. Uh, it's, it's running around that, so... Might be worth just a small each way How going. How long in. was that race? Do you know? Uh, two thousand meters from memory. Um, so we'd know we'd we'd be confident the horse will run the distance. Well, yeah. Well, we're not confident, I guess, with many of them on that fact. And I guess that's the point with these kind of Derby races that you can it can throw up sort of unusual results. Um, in terms of the Kingsford Smith, it's another very tough race. Five dollars a field, as you mentioned. The favourite. Think about it. Uh, Deservedly favourite. It's got the picket fence there, and I certainly, if I can get five dollars fifty, will be definitely interested in that. A horse that I just I love. You guys know I love it. I'm always backing it. <laughs> I can't, I can't look away at thirteen dollars. Is Eduardo? They've freshened it up for this. I know it's thirteen hundred, which isn't its go, but if it, if it is a, a softer, a heavy track, and he can control the speed at thirteen dollars, I'd be willing to have a little play there. Yeah, I'll start off with the Queensland Derby, and uh, with Kovalika, it just has to run out the twenty four hundred to be winning. It's got the class and you can't knock a horse if they're having their first attempt at the distance. You know, that's um but you are taking that risk at that dollar seventy, dollar eighty price. And I think Promises Kept and Aberfeldy Boy will run out the trip. We saw that in the South Australian Derby. And the Vowels also showing signs that he'll be better over further. And in the Kingsford Smith, you know, think about it $5 favourite or around that price. I think he's might be 440 now. I think he's assessed on his upside and he does need to take that next step. Whereas you look at Roth's fires, I think his last start figure is a lot stronger, but he doesn't have that same upside that Think About It has. But I think for a value bet, the case of you, 
from the Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr. stable, you know, looks pretty good. Uh, just another one too there at uh, Sandown. I didn't quite get there. I was a bit caught up in the in the uh, Group 1's Corvée, but race four, number three, Sandy Prince, currently paying $8.50. One like Farlap at Warrnambool, last start, and goes around Sandown really well. So I think that's a pretty good bet at this early stage. Book it. All right, gentlemen, we're off to the final furlong. We've gone down a different path, just a little off the beaten track today. Uh, so pop culture, Tina Turner's passed away overnight. I'll just get your favourite Tina Turner songs, boys. We'll start with uh, we'll start with Chris because uh, I know if Phil says the same song Chris is going to say, he won't come up with a different one. So Chris, you uh, you go first. Well, Corbs, you know I love my James Bond movies, so I'm going to go with Goldeneye. I think it's a great ah. song as well. I think it's one of the best James Bond themes as well. Excellent. I should I should have gambled that uh, yeah that you would do that one because I don't think Dollar one gets up. I've got to admit, John, I saw this on the rundown and I panicked because I could only think of the song the best, which of course is synonymous with the NRL. Uh, but I then thought about it a bit more and what's love got to do with it it's a pretty good song as well and i know that's right up your alley and probably one you've uh had a go at at karaoke at times john well i would have thought you might have gone with a nutbush or uh or, or proud mary or something like that but uh, i'm gonna throw one out out there for you we don't need another hero of thunderdome fame so that's that's my one uh that's the show for the week boys uh, great one phil we we forgot it last week uh what do we say oh as always john good luck on the punt and Gamble responds to me. And don't leave Vongalay out of your quaddy this weekend, Phil. <laughs>